Hey everyone, this is Rainy. And Darcy. And it looks like failure has joined the chat. She's back. She never left. A true icon. We love her. My old friend. This is Doing It Wrong, and today we're talking about failure. Mm. Failure is fear. It can motivate, incentivize, and teach. It can inspire urgency, change, and realization. But it can also crush, overwhelm, tear at your soul, corrode your self-esteem, injure your ego, instigate self-doubt and loathing, and make you question who you are. Mm. Again, we love her. Failure is universal. An inevitable part of life. That's not a hot take. Not at all. And here's another take that is both chilly and trite. Failure is also part of success. It's a facet of trying hard enough. No matter which way you look at it, failure is powerful. But what even is failure? How can we use it to our advantage instead of being at its mercy? What mentalities are most useful to leverage all of its power? And how does failure work to form identity? One, two, three. Today, we're talking about some of our greatest and most informative failures in love, work, and life in pursuit of a working definition. What is real is like the sadness that comes Mm. with it. And like that actually isn't a construct. That's like or an opinion or like up for discussion it's like i felt really sad and i felt like i disappointed these people and i felt like i wasn't good enough we talk to our esteemed advisors on what perspectives help them work with failure instead of against it what kept me from failing harder what were my diamonds in this rough my silver linings we discuss ways in which failure has shaped who we are and who we want to become This is just my failure to deal with things well, my failure to manage criticism, my failure to balance my life, Mm. to address my weaknesses. We talk about rising from the ashes and the importance of swinging the racket again. Like, I just didn't know the answers. And again. Definitely cried. And again. It became not about, like, failures, but, like, I was a failure. Finally, we talk about how to increase the size of our game. Failure is quaking in her boots. Let's go. Yeah, so our topic this week is failure. So I think it, we're going to have an interesting discussion because I think we're going to think about how we define it um, because I yeah. think it's different for all different people. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, one thing that I was thinking about, like the instances of failure that I put are the ones where I like still feel failure. Like I still, like it's still with me as opposed to there's mm-hmm. all, like a million times that I failed that like looking back, I'm like, well, like either I'm like, of course, like, of course I failed. I was in a situation where I was going to fail. Like, I was never going to succeed in that, and that's not on me. Or I'm like, yeah, but, like, I needed to do that. Or, like, anyway, we'll we'll talk more. I feel excited to share about what some of my advisors <laughs> <laughs> wrote in. Um, so I asked my friend Jack Minton from college to give me some of his thoughts on failure. He did not disappoint. There's a lot of reverence around failure, The cliche is to learn from your failures. And, you know, the intuitive response to the instruction of learning from your failure would be to dissect and unpack every aspect of every failure. And if you're mentally strong enough to do so every time, then great. And by the way, congratulations on being Michael Jordan. But for the rest of us, we're never more vulnerable than after failing. And I think it's very important to be protective of yourself in those moments. That means pulling some punches on your analysis, allowing yourself to rationalize a bit, make excuses for yourself, be angry, be jealous. Uh, You have to learn from your failures. There's absolutely no question 
but when I fail, the very first thing I try to extract, the real gold that should be mined first, is what kept me from failing harder? What were my diamonds in this rough, my silver linings? Uh, and, and starting on positive terms is helpful because knowing what works is always more important than understanding why what didn't work didn't work. Starting with the positive, that will help you to immediately repair your self-esteem and start rebuilding from scratch the courage you had in the first place to take the chance. Wow. I also just, I really like the idea of like, right after you fail, take a second to take care of yourself. Like you don't have to deal with it that that day Mm -hmm. because that's when it's going to be the worst and that's when it's going to be the least productive. So I feel like if you can like try Mm -hmm. and take care of yourself and like come at it at a different point, like that's really, really important. I think the one thing that came to mind in the beginning of the message was I remember in cross country i would always run against this girl named megan she and i were like we're running for first she would shake my hand after she won but she would also she would also like come shake my hand say good game after i won and i was like that is so much more impressive than congratulating the person who who came in second that is unusual and really respectable i think that's a great point sportsmanship Mm. sportsmanship and then it's like how how are you in the like task at hand that you're failing and then how are you like as a person surrounding that you know it's like there are different scale of issues like one is kind of smaller and one is like a lot bigger of like how you react or like how you and yeah like and it just kind of like shows this like I'm making a choice to to think bigger than this 10 minutes where I'm upset of like who do I want to be I don't know I agree with that oh yeah I mean the thinking larger scale about who you want to be outside of the 10 minutes where you're feeling the incredibly intense emotion okay this actually relates well to just hearkening back to previous episodes um but this failure to control emotions i think i was just like thinking about our fuckboy episode a lot Mm -hmm. and like i think failure in relationships is like one of the most common failures that people deal with Mm -hmm. Relationships of all kinds. Right. But for me, I think in Fuckboy, it was, like, dealing with this failure to break the cycle mm-hmm. of, like, negative emotions mm-hmm. and continuously failing to control emotions that are really, really powerful for, like, mm-hmm. a few minutes or a few hours. Right. And then they subside. Right. And getting sucked back into cycles that had become, like, predictable. But, like, resisting those things were – it was so hard for me. And, like, it comes back down to that moment of being, like, I can't believe I let myself be treated for, like, that for that long. Mm. And it's almost, like, it was, like, a failure of myself. Like, I let myself down. That's just, like, something that I grapple with, too. Yeah, it's so interesting because, so one of the failures that I put down was kind of, like, being in a super toxic relationship. And so I think it's just, it's interesting because I'm, like, I could have, when I think about the failure in that relationship, I could have gone with the kind of like how you perceive your failure of like I should have recognized that it was a bad relationship and I should have gotten out earlier but instead my association of failure with that relationship was like like I felt failure that he didn't like me and that it was like oh this is like this really nerdy shitty guy and he doesn't like me like he is like the bottom of the barrel doesn't like me so like who is so give a little more context for the beginning of the relationship where oh yeah so it was sophomore year I met him I like interviewed him for whatever I can't get into that but you interviewed him for what oh my gosh I was we were doing this like expose on frats and he's a frat president 
So I interviewed him. Hot. That's honestly hot. <laughs> um, yeah. So he pursued me, like, very rigorously. And so I, like, I pretty much dated him because he liked me, which is, like, obviously off to a bad start. Here's actually, like, this is my story that I have in my head, which I don't know if it's true, but he was, like, the senior... And, um, I think he was like, I'm about to graduate. I have this girlfriend. It's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what I want to do. And like, if she, if we break up, we're going to break up anyway. Like, it doesn't really matter if it's a month from now or three months from now. Mm -hmm. But like, for me, I was like the sophomore, it was my first relationship. Yeah. Like, I just didn't have that reference. Sophomore, senior dynamic. That is a thing. Yeah, that that was... um, So, he, like, gradually loses interest in me. Probably because I was annoyed with him all the time because he was annoying. And then I got, like, really competitive with it. And I was like, I need to make him like me. And, like, I need to, like, win him back. And then I got, like, just super invested. and, uh, And then I just, like, obviously failed. Simultaneously, I have these absolute shit friends. Like, just... And so I think, like, part of this, like, race that I'd put myself in of, like, just getting really competitive with, like, his adoration was, like, this fight for, like, not only just him, but, like, to not be alone um, fully. And so I, like... Because what are some of the other things that happened that year? Because, yeah, so I... Yeah, and it's not even him. Like, I'm, like, wow, like, he has messed me up the most psychologically and he's also the person I liked the least. Like, why mm. do I care so much about, like, why is this haunting me so much? Mm. When I don't even want to, I I would not mm. want to be in a room with him. I don't think at any point in my life that I ever <laughs> be in a room with him. I will never benefit from being in a room with him for the long as, <laughs> long as I live. And I will go to my grave <laughs> with that um, out there. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, um, so then I was like, why is this... So I was like, you know what? Actually, let's talk. And I like got into his car and I just absolutely obliterated him. Like I was just so mean and mad and like so angry. And then I got out of the car, slammed the door and never saw him again. And then I... What did you say in the car? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. I was like full-fledged rage mode. Like I was like... I can't believe I've not heard about this before. Oh my gosh. I know. I kind of like re- I suppress it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, how did this not come up on Fuckboy? Oh, yeah. I mean, he wasn't even... I don't even want to give him the credibility of... I feel like Fuckboy is at least charming. He was, like, this civil engineer block of a person who, like, was selfish and, like, had no social cues. Like, I was like, how did you play me like this? Yeah. Like, you're actually... I'm so far out of your league on every single level. I don't know how it got to the point where I was desperate for you to like me. Mm. I mean, every human has inherent value and, like, nobody's better than (laughs) (laughs) That being said, I don't believe that anyone inherently is better than anyone else, but I do think that um, I'm superior to him in every way. Yeah, so then, so then this is where it gets a little messy of like, so I had this like wretched relationship. Great word. It, um, it ended and I was feeling like so desperately alone, so desperately like a failure. Then I go, I run this crazy marathon where I booked the hotel in the wrong state. The marathon was in Newport, Rhode Island. I booked the hotel in Newport, Maine. So I didn't have a place to sleep. I slept like on the crack of this bed. I didn't eat beforehand. I had to, I didn't sleep. I had to run a half mile to get my shorts because I forgot my shorts in the car. 
it was horrible. It was, like, just very physically demanding. And then... Um, <laughs> as marathons tend to be. <laughs> as marathons tend to be. Um, I got super sick. Like, passed out. My roommate, who I, like... She was very nice and pleasant, but, like, I never really talked to her. She, like, called the ambulance. Went to the ER. Had, like, this IV. Had this, like... Wait, this is right after you ran the marathon? Yeah, it was, like, a few weeks. And after... So, I broke up with him. Then that weekend, I ran the marathon. Also, my dog died in... Also, my dad went through this, like, heart incident where he had to, like, get it, like go to the oh, ER yeah. and get a stint. Oh, my gosh. And I think I got sick because, like, my whole body and emotional world was just, like, in havoc. Like, it was actually just wrecked. That is so crazy. So I was, like, hospitalized, totally alone, didn't have – my friends were so bad, like, I didn't even know who to ask to get me medicine from CVS, which I couldn't go to. And I was just, like, feeling, like – scared like I was really scared like as my my throat was all swollen and I couldn't really breathe so when I slept I was like what if I like don't wake up or what if Mm -hmm. I like choke on my like inflamed tonsils and like yeah anyway so I like I kind of associate that guy and that failure with like all this like really scary like negative lonely like physical trauma yeah that is really unbelievable yeah the the juxtaposition of those experiences it was just like and the combination of feeling like you have zero support system yeah which is a terrifying feeling yeah when i think about that time it's like on the one hand i learned i it changed who i it changed me entirely because now i'm like really focused on friends who show up friends who are dependable friends who like care about me sincerely as opposed to like friends who are easy to be around and fun i've like sworn off fuck boys kind of but i won't I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but um, but on the other hand, somebody was like, like learning doesn't have to be this like horrible, ex- like painful experience. Like it can be very pleasant, and you can just like. And I think about other times that I've learned where it's like, oh, I was just like having a good time and learning about like production and learning about like friendship and learning about relationships. You know, where it's like, yeah, it actually doesn't like. I feel like we associate character building with really suffering with suffering and so i wish like i love my friends now like my life now which was built around this like traumatic experience i don't know this is another thing i don't know if i've told you about this i want there to be a word in between bad time and trauma because i feel like trauma is too strong and bad time is too weak yeah i agree yeah i feel the same way (laughs) about the word between trauma and bad things i think we at some point we just have to like uh like call up whoever runs the dictionary and add them ourselves and like come up with a word for it yeah that's what frindle is about remember that book oh my gosh (laughs) so he made frindle become a a word for pen like every instead of using the word pen everyone used the word frindle yeah and i was like wow hero yeah such a hero (laughs) talk about thought disruption talk about innovator we'll we'll do an episode on it but 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 back to the point um yeah so oh yeah yeah of like learning doesn't have to be like i wish that it wasn't like the way that I live my life now wasn't driven by fear you know like I wish it was like oh I really like this like I really like having friends who are like close to me and like love fear of like being disappointed people and fear of having friends that are like not yeah friend fear of being alone yeah or like fear of not having somebody show up when I need them to like when I like really need them to yeah it's I think my failure is so complicated because it's so wrapped up in like loneliness and fear but the failure of having this guy like like really really wanting his approval and not getting it 
And I think what was hard about it was it was just, like, super clear-cut. Like, I just, I actually just didn't succeed. Right. Yeah, I mean, just, like, some quick lessons. Don't go out with someone just because they, like, you, you can't do a relationship by yourself. You have to have two people be both involved. Like, I think I thought that I was, like, if I try really, really, really hard. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the motherfucking truth? (laughs) (laughs) Then, like, I will be able to, like, hold this relationship on my shoulders. Right. Like, I can carry it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I think it's really easy to convince yourself. Especially people who are, like, high achievers, overachievers, women, women definitely are more prone to this, but just, like, have, and their entire lives carried a lot of emotional work. Yeah. Especially with men in their family, etc. Yeah. Um, It's very easy to be, like, feel like the burden is, like, a natural thing. Right. To take on. Right. Um, And sometimes you really just have to be, like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Mm -hmm. This is not the dynamic that I desire, nor the dynamic that I deserve, and... Right. Like, I just grew up thinking that I could, if I wanted to do, if I wanted to have something happen, I could do it. Right. Make something happen. Right. Do it. It, it, It's similar to the topic that we talked about before about knowing when to, how there's strength in taking a break. Yeah. And how there's, like, strength and intelligence. Like, giving up can be oftentimes the right choice. And there's not shame in walking away Mm -hmm. from a goal that is no longer tenable especially Mm. in relationships yes there is strength and pride and accomplishment like that Mm -hmm. takes that is hard yeah so it's like did i fail i think the memory is so visceral that like when i think of it i still feel failure so it's like if i think about it rationally it's like that was the situation that wasn't me being like i'm gonna die alone it's not like because he doesn't like me all nerdy boys aren't gonna like me I guess what I'm interested in, when we talk about the defining failure, like walking away from that experience, has that sort of like set a precedent for the way that you have defined failure in the rest of your life? Or like, do you feel like there are other circumstances, experiences that have come to define failure for you in a different way? Mm. There's kind of, in my mind, two categories of failure. One being like whole body failure and the other being like, demoted off the soccer team which is like okay you're not that good at soccer and it's like yeah it kind of feels bad for a second but it's like if I'm not good at soccer it's fundamentally okay you know whereas if I'm not good enough for a person or I didn't like another or like I didn't get a job like they saw my whole application they interviewed me and they were like no like I didn't get into a school like they saw my whole application everything that I'd done my essay about who I was and they were like no I feel like that's like this whole body failure yeah well relation to failure totally I think hits different because it goes back to vulnerability Mm -hmm. and like opening up these very precious parts of yourself and feeling like someone knows I think in relationships it's like someone who really has been able to experience your essence Mm -hmm. or like things that are below like the superficial things about like what we do or like how we present ourselves or like like what is on the resume or the application right. right and then it's like if that crashes then you're like oh that really yeah what does this say yeah yeah, yeah. it's like a deeper level exactly yeah it's wait so what would you how how do you define failure i think that it's what i'm i think i'm realizing through this conversation is that it's so particular to the person mm-hmm. um failure for me i think oftentimes is like really is disappointing people Mm-hmm. which is yeah. um when there was like a standard that was set and that's why like we joke about like me 
getting fired slash parting ways <laughs> <laughs> mutual disagreement with my service industry career <laughs> which was short-lived but I- incredibly informative and I'm really grateful for what I experienced for a very brief context I just <laughs> would would like continuously show up late um we've alluded to my time issues and I remember being in the car on the way to the last shift where I had like I had like been semi-promoted to like bar bar barback trainee and expo (laughs) from hostess no braggies yeah that's a big one (laughs) and then I had hadn't looked at the schedule missed a shift showed up late was wearing the wrong clothes um (laughs) and then had been demoted mm. subsequently and then um they're like yeah <laughs> back to hostess <laughs> <laughs> back to hostess and then um they were like yeah so you really can't be late anymore i was kind of like on a probation type <laughs> scenario <laughs> <laughs> a probation type scenario and i remember driving to that last shift and i remember being in the car sitting at the light I knew I was going to be 15 minutes late. I called my manager and I was like, listen, I know that I'm going to be 15 minutes late. I like completely understand if you have to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, textbook, that is failure. <laughs> like failing to do the one thing you need to do to maintain a job. And so, so this is the interesting part is that I didn't actually feel like a lot of remorse for my actions because <laughs> I had been so desperate to mm-hmm. start making money in another way mm-hmm. and actually doing something that was like related to my and career. And you had at this point like gotten your, your production assistant job. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but the real failure was the fact that I actually felt like I had disrespected these people mm-hmm. that I had grown to love mm-hmm. and cared about and had personal relationships with and really respected as people. Yeah. Um, and had become like mentors to me. And yeah, I had issues with it, but they were just like they were good people. Yeah. You know? And um sitting down with the manager and the chef mm-hmm. who talks about food like he talks like it's an it's truly an art mm-hmm. and like the history that's involved. Like my my manager, he's, like, one of the most positive people that I've ever met, like, mm-hmm. and was just, like, gang, gang, like, let's go, like, in that conversation of sitting down and being, like, yeah, you know, like, it just, like, bums us out yeah, that you didn't care enough about this, like, restaurant business is about, like, showing up for your team. Yeah. And, yeah, and it, and it comes down to, like, disrespect and, like, a dismissal and of these people that you had, like, personal relationships with uh, of being, like, wow, I really just, like, didn't show up for them. And them feeling like I didn't care enough about them yeah. to prioritize this as, like, my life. And the fact that this is their livelihood. Right. And this is their car- these are their careers and their yeah. occupation of choice. And I'm just, like, this young person who, like, doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And is, like, wasting people's time. Mm-hmm. So that was sad. Mm-hmm. That was, like, really fucking sad. Like the de- actually the demotion was really tough on me. Yeah, when we talk about like motivation and urgency and missing mm-hmm. that, like it's like why isn't that there? Mm-hmm. I was really just like, who am I and like why suddenly become a habit to like let people down? 
you know oh my gosh um yes yeah and yeah well that's just like to me i hear that and i'm like oh i recognize that as a fear like i don't really think that's true i think that's like but a lot of it is rooted in fear oh yeah and like a lot of i think maybe this is our definition but like failure for each person is often dependent on like when like a fear becomes a reality Mm -hmm. in a when a personal fear becomes a reality that is we consider that failure yeah well so i was thinking like there's the failure which i think is um contested like i could be like no you didn't fail like i don't see that as a failure i don't like i just don't or or you could look at my thing and be like not like appeasing this like like vermin um (laughs) she literally can't think of words strong enough to describe (laughs) like you could be like i don't think that's a failure but i think what what is real and is like the sadness that comes mm. with it and like yeah. that actually isn't a construct that's like or an opinion or like up for discussion it's like I felt really sad and I felt like I disappointed these people and I felt like I wasn't good enough and like maybe yeah. it wasn't a failure but I still felt that way that's that's a really good point that it's kind of like irrefutable like if you f- if you feel like it was a failure to you it, it yeah. actually doesn't really matter what other people think right. or feel about right. it it's like I feel like failure is almost like a reflective word it's not really like oh did did you or did you not fail it's like did you or did you not feel sad failure is like to describe the sadness right or the uh, any other feeling that failure makes you feel right anger right like disillusionment um yeah like self-pity hey guys you're probably wondering how we make money off of this um we don't if you want to advertise your product or service, email us at doingitwrong.diw at gmail.com. We would love to promote your business venture, organization, grassroots political campaign, novel coronavirus vaccine initiative, etc. for a small fee. This could be huge for you and minorly lucrative for us. Love y'all. I went off book. I think the moment has finally come for your losing to the patriarch a la Hillary Clinton story. So on the topic of failure <laughs> it was my junior year mm. of high school it's a nutrient rich a failure nutrient rich year actually so for me <laughs> <laughs> actually um my junior year i was completely and utterly manic definitely <laughs> i mean but like i said like failure wasn't even something that was on my radar i think theoretically like i knew i could lose but i was just like me winning is the right thing (laughs) you were just like good guys always win yeah nice guys finish last good girls finish first (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i was thinking that much about it and this is actually something i miss i miss a lot of things about this person one of the things i miss is like thinking about things too like right i I think i overthink things now and like then i like probably was just like (laughs) i need to go to ceramics i need to go to sports i need to i need to do the like i you know like i can't think about failure i'm making this thought (laughs) in ceramics i don't have time to (laughs) to think of the minute possibility that i might not actually win this race (laughs) this this giant political race that i am (laughs) entered in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I put my name into. Um. Anyway, so I decided to run. My only political strategy is the fact that I'm going to rap in front of these people. <laughs> Coolness factor is going to be a deciding factor, and I know that I have this dude edged out. Background on this dude that I'm competing against. Yeah. He <laughs> belonged to this 
peer group of lacrosse, Red Brooks Brothers pants, Sperry's. Mm. They have the ties with like the little stitched like needle needlepoint belts. They wear needlepoint they belts. They wear ties? Just like to their lacrosse banquets, they do. <laughs> But those, but those were his Barry wearing ambassadors. Those were his, con- his constituents, ambassadors. his ambassadors, his constituents. And there was this like very powerful masculine group mentality that came along with that. I've always just wondered like what? Okay, it's lunchtime. They're all being really loud at that one table. They're like throwing things. I've never personally been invited. I just want to know like what they're talking about. What is yeah. the subject of their conversation? Oh, 100% it's nothing. I also <laughs> I also was never invited. Never is it worth your time. Yeah. They have so much to talk about. They're constantly talking. Yeah, and I'm running just like, your mouth. What? You are hard to talk to when I try and talk to you. Right. Actually in my mind it's just like <laughs> amalgamations like <laughs> like gibberish not even words like it's like gobbledygook of the lacrosse the strain it's like do you like one another because or are you just like in this group is safe mm. no totally i think it's security 100 percent. Mm-hmm. and they are like they're kind of untouchable completely they're untouchable enough to get their friend elected <laughs> <laughs> they're untouchable enough to mm. instantly leverage that political power to control the political setting. Mm. It's a boys club. <laughs> it's a boys club out there, folks. <laughs> so anyone who knows anything knows that the majority of high school political races are popularity contests. Right. Yeah, I just I was just sort of like banking on that. And <laughs> political, <laughs> political strategy in terms like policies, what were those in high school? <laughs> Actual like healthcare economic what were those and yeah. even even just like legitimately within the school <laughs> actual policy like i don't even know what we would have debated if we had a debate <laughs> like his constituents were doing all of his political strategy work for him just by existing and having influence having this like incredible mm-hmm. power dynamic yeah. and influence on the body politique whom which i was attempting to influence as well but not really actively because I was like, the moment my moment will come, I will drop those bars. They, the spirit will move them, and they will check the right box. <laughs> Did they? And I ran the race, gave the speech, dropped the bars, and I remember being in the office with my dean and her being like, "This was a really close race," <laughs> and she was definitely just trying to let me down easy. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for that. And so, so yeah, I lost, <laughs> which is sad. Do you remember, like, how you felt, like, sitting in the office and being like... I mean, like, th- this kid, like, pr- probably he was doing it for the right reasons. <laughs> I think I was just doing it because I was like, well, I think I like, like leadership, mm-hmm. but, like, the president of a class is just a figurehead. that was just a few more mornings that you're gonna have to wake up early right there's just like a few more meetings with like high school administrators because this kid honestly this kid needed this oh this (laughs) that's actually a really important thing because here's the thing about failure every game there's a winner and a loser yeah and in order for you to feel successful ever like if you get like a competitive job offer or if you get like if you win a soccer game if you or whatever it is, it's like there are people who lost. It's not what makes success because obviously you can, you can like have success without anybody else's failure. But 
the idea that like in the big picture it's like oh maybe he needed that more than you yeah and that comes like i'm sure you didn't know that at the time totally also like failure defines success totally like if you were just to succeed all the time that would be your baseline yeah it wouldn't even be succeeding it would just be like existing yeah (laughs) (laughs) at a really high level i guess (laughs) props to you for running because i would i would be so afraid of of not winning that i wouldn't even like even if i really really wanted to be president Mm -hmm. secretly like i wouldn't tell anybody i wouldn't run because i'd just be like too afraid and that's just like a facet of not trying out of fear and like you didn't do that so in terms of like celebrating how you could have failed harder or celebrating like the risks that you took hundo p excellent work thank you I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Shout out to my 10th grade self. <laughs> I am trying to figure out how to channel that energy. Because yeah. I think, I mean, back to being like in fishbowls and bubbles where the stakes were low. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much the entire premise of this podcast is like now the stakes are terrifyingly real and high. Like every turn of adulthood is an opportunity for failure mm-hmm. and as such there's an, also an opportunity to not try right and sometimes like the opportunities for failure are coming at you so quick that you don't even you, you don't even have to clock them and then you finish an experience yeah. and then you're like oh shit did i do this wrong oh yeah so i have like the summer after i graduated just like applied to like a hundred jobs got rejected like every morning I woke up checked my email got rejected from another job and I was like eventually I just remember being like oh the common denominator in this is actually me it became not about like failures but like I was a failure I I just got to the point where I was like I actually don't know how I'm gonna get a job right like I actually don't think I can do it it's so crazy that the volume yeah yeah and my dad told me about it like going in he was like you have to apply to 20 jobs to get one interview which I actually do think is true yeah but Definitely. it's just an intense number. Yeah, like it's very, nineteen very rejections high. for one not job offer. One interview. Like you think about, I used to be like, wow, med school is so hard to get into. It's three percent acceptance rate, and I'm like, getting a job is not three percent. It's under that. I mean, there's like two hundred applicants for each job at least. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a doctor, but like, or like <laughs> trying to equate myself to like somebody who's in med school. But I'm just saying. I was operate. This was such a wrong assumption to yeah. operate under for a long time. But I was like. When I got an interview somewhere, I was like, oh, I got it. Yep. We're good. <laughs> we are in. You just like. <laughs> <laughs> like, send me my W-2. We're in this bitch. Um, yeah. And I have lost so many jobs in the interview phase. <laughs> and I'm truly like, how are you not charmed by me? <laughs> so continue yeah. what you were saying. Um, it was just kind of like this rapid fire of failure. It was just kind of like this exercise in knowing that I had value, even though I wasn't like doing or contributing anything. And like at the beginning, it was really hard. I feel like the American school system, it's like about achieving and about contributing and about like being productive all the time yeah and all of a sudden i was like oh i'm not contributing anything to anybody right in fact i am relying on other people and just consuming <laughs> entirely and yeah. not putting anything back out <laughs> yeah and so kind of like coming to terms with like every person has inherent value even if you Ooh, don't yeah. need to do anything spectacular in order to be loved or like i was just like watching mr Ooh, rogers wow. michelle obama oprah just like on my that was like what i was doing all day just to have them comfort me and be like you 
are important. And I was like, thank you. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I kind of need to get on that shit. Oh, you definitely need to get on that Mr. Rogers grind. Just watch some, like... That mindset, I think, is just so toxic and such a plague to think that, like, if you are unemployed, you're not valuable. Right. I mean, talk about fucking capitalistic indoctrination. (laughs) (laughs) Like, capitalistic rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. Like, your self-worth deplete when you're not making money or, like, doing something. Like, I mean, also my issue with identity being tied to place, I think I have had so much, like, disdain and frustration and resentment towards um Colorado as a place Mm -hmm. and now it's becoming summer like and now I'm on this like fitness kick where I'm like doing biking and like I was in Golden today and I was like oh my god it's beautiful there yeah you know and in college I would have been like you literally have to pay me two million (laughs) dollars to go to Golden (laughs) (laughs) then so my perspective is literally changing by the day (laughs) which is like such an insane thing yeah like you're bearing witness to your own evolution as it happens right like i told you in our very first episode i was like i had such a judgmental mentality of people who move back to their hometown and their parents and that's literally what i've been doing for (laughs) almost a year now yeah and then i'm almost like disgusted i'm like what a narrow and closed mindset you had Mm -hmm. like what a shame yeah and that I, you thought I mean, that way yeah I even think of like my friends who got jobs right out of college and talking to them especially like that summer it's like there was like a part of it too where I was like you don't understand what's going on and like yeah that is and um, therefore you're unable to have empathy and compassion yeah like after like failing and failing and failing and failing it was very humbling and um I think that was actually like really important like I think one of my esteemed advisors was my uncle life coach he's he's um (laughs) he's an inspiration (laughs) he was the one that initially told you to go to your funky church right yeah yeah so he sent me this uh little video on failure it's flames listen up listen up you know when i think about failure i you know this very idea of failure is uh a concept that is is limited by its definition. So uh, if we think about, you know, classically baseball, they say, you know, if you hit one out of three, you know, if you hit 300, you're, you're doing great. Um, I think about all kinds of sports. Like if I think about failure at tennis, where I'm trying to serve and I, you know, double fault, then have I failed, right? And, and how does my mind wrap around that? So usually like with, with, you know, baseball or tennis or anything, right, soccer, you know, this idea of like, okay, so I, you know, I, I do a thing like serve and or rally a point and sometimes I win and, and that point sometimes I lose. But my, my mind is much, is more on the like, you know, if we go sit with tennis, like on the, on the game or the set or really the match, right? That's where we get really interested. Like, oh, you know, have I, have I lost the match? Uh, so I take it easy on myself, although I'm frustrated a little bit, like I notice when I double fault, but because my mind is on the match, then, uh, I allow myself that failure, the double fault. In fact, I know that I can, I could, you know, I could, I could never double fault. I just can't serve very well. It would be more like a doink right over the net. I'd be, you know, 99% sure that it's going to go in. 
but it also get clobbered immediately and it wouldn't be competitive. So we know that. So we've given ourselves the grace around um, allowing ourselves double fault, knowing that in order to uh, have any chance of winning, we have to, you know, we have to hit the ball with some speed, and that means sometimes we're going to double fault, like 20% of the time, maybe 30% of the time, I don't know. Uh, and we give ourselves that grace. But then when we lose the match, then we, you know, we're like, ah, oh, I can't believe I lost that match. So, so just all this to understand, like, these are all constructs, right? Like, this idea of, okay, maybe I don't worry about whether or not I lose a match. I kind of put that more in, the, in, in how I uh, think about uh, a double fault or a particular serve. But what I really worry about is the season. Like, did I have a successful season? And then if I failed to have a successful season, I was 1-16. in 16, You know, I'm like, ah, yeah, it's terrible. Or... I can really realize like, oh, I'm actually playing a much bigger game. I'm having a multi-year career or, you know, I'm going to play tennis for all my life. And what I really care about is being a great tennis player. And uh, so I'm not really that worried about a 116 year, assuming I was trying my hardest, right? And I, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm even willing to take on a new approach to tennis, which I know I'm going to have a bad year. Because it's going to take me like a year to get this new approach really in my body. There's be a great example when you look at like Tiger Woods when he shifted his swing midway through his career because you know, excuse me, he had all this success and then he really realized he needed to change his swing, what meant that he was kind of bad for a while. So he had to have a mindset about failure that had, had a bigger frame. And then you can even go like, okay, what if Tennis is just a component of my life. And so what I'm really interested in having a successful life, what, what does that mean? And then maybe that involves me not, not worrying so much about tennis or business or love or I don't know, you name it, right? The real question is, what is a successful life? And the question I usually ask is, so how big a game can you play? How big a game can you play? If you're focused on the, the serve, your game is like this big. And when it's this big, failure is pretty scary. If you focus on winning the game, it's a little bit bigger. It gives you more room for mistakes. If you focus on the match, you focus on the season, you focus on your lifetime of this skill, tennis in this case, or you focus on, yeah. So when you're optimizing for this big game, then failure actually is necessary along the way. And what it tells you, again, if you're not failing, that means you're not serving fast enough. So you're probably not effective or efficient or powerful relative to the big game. Um, because you're playing it safe on the serve, or you're playing it safe on the game, or you're playing it safe on the match, or the year. And if you're really optimized on the biggest game you can play, which is having you know an amazing or successful life, and whatever that means, or if we get in reincarnation, multi-lives, right? Successful soul journey. Yeah, that's where I like to hang out. Um, failure is necessary, because it tells me that Oh, I'm actually moving fast enough. I'm playing hard enough. I'm risking enough. 
And maybe if I'm failing continuously, like, okay, so, you know, if I keep double faulting, then I need to adjust my serve at this time. Uh, that's useful information. But it's very different than the crushing feeling, like, ah. Yeah, I've had that too. Yeah, those are a few thoughts on failure. Okay, that video was amazing. <laughs> Let's be it's real. It's a video, but like, it's just a, it's a, a one shot of him talking into the camera. So it's like yeah. you didn't miss a lot by by not by having the pod version. Yeah, no, it was. Um, but I'm about to like. Well, I think they did miss a lot <laughs> because to witness Rainy's uncle with his like really soothing office background and just sage advice. You're missing something, <laughs> but we're about to, um, but you heard it. So yeah. it comes back to this, like trying versus not trying and like not swinging hard enough. Fa- like, I think it was just, it's just like a really comforting way to look at failure where it's like, you're actually doing enough. Like failure by definition is you're pushing yourself hard enough. Like, thank goodness you're not doing the dweeby serve. We, we've been on the tennis courts. Randy <laughs> <laughs> and I had short-lived careers as recreational tennis players <laughs> if we're gonna be super literal we have done some dweeby serves yeah but that was not for lack of trying right we were actually we were on the court we, we were, were swinging hard <laughs> in order to get those dweeby serves but this is detracting from the point which is yeah you need to be out there just start swinging that racket <laughs> mm-hmm. and with every swing you are gonna learn more about you need to flick that wrist look at the flick the wrist like a little more do you need to start jumping (laughs) really good at tennis (laughs) tennis strategies don't even you would not say a chance i don't care how good you are darcy jumps sometimes i am so bad at tennis i don't know why i'm running with this analogy the way that i am also just i think like sheer repetition like even if it's not like a technical thing it's like yeah like i feel like i'm trying to think of like a sport that i got good at which is hard for me like, <laughs> like, i think it becomes like kind of like in your bones as opposed to something you're thinking about like i just feel like my mom throughout this whole thing is like don't do that like or just or just generally like okay growing up it's like my mom is like don't eat all that chocolate because you're gonna feel sick and i was like whatever mom like I'm gonna eat this chocolate then I felt sick and it's just sort of like this practice of like then it becomes even if you've never done something before you're like my gut says do it this way because like of all these patterns in your life that you figured out Mm. of like becomes ingrained yeah yeah I feel like that's how you form personhood yeah it's like actually failure is intrinsic a lot of times we become the people that we are because of the obstacles that we faced Mm -hmm. and the way that we've learned to deal with them right yeah wow yeah and the the strategies that we've developed based Mm -hmm. on the problems and challenges that we've encountered and what's been successful and what has been successful in overcoming those Mm -hmm. yes do you what did your brother say he says i don't know if i have a philosophy or a, a true handle on what failure means because i know that i'm still very much afraid of it but an idea that i've internalized is that there really isn't regression when it comes to our personal lives and personal growth. Everything is a learning experience, and every experience affords us more knowledge either about the world or ourself. There can be setbacks, roadblocks, and slowdowns, but all of those things still add to our personal journey. 
So a failure can be very painful, but it doesn't take away from who we are and what we're building. What's so cool about that is I'm super afraid of regression. Yeah, I mean, that that was my... I'm terrified of regression and moving back yeah. here epitomized that for me. Right. Yeah. And just like, what if I peaked in college? Or I didn't think I peaked in college, but like, what if the best... Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, what if like, I peaked in I... high school? <laughs> <laughs> what if I peaked in like elementary it. school? I... <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's like comforting. Because ultimately, like, you are better... F- like you can't yeah you can't go backwards that's not how time works and like with time it's impossible (laughs) you yeah you just learn more and like become more thank you so much and good night ladies and gentlemen (laughs) so in 11th grade i lost to the patriarchy the grass is green trump is orange the world is warming i'm pretty sure i cried in my bedroom but then i had to get up the next day pull on my 2014 skinny jeans and drive my stick shift car to school The kid who won wrote me a letter articulating the fact that he respected me. Unfortunately, I can't remember more details, but that was the gist. Although I was resentful at the time, that handwritten note was an act of humility that I now consider admirable. The kid is honestly going to be a senator one day. Like, for real. From what I can tell from his LinkedIn, he's a diehard public servant. Escape capitalistic indoctrination. Every person has intrinsic value. If you're unemployed, you are worthy. And even if you treated your sophomore girlfriend as disposable because your New York City commercial banking consulting job started in just six months, he still does have intrinsic value. And I'm off to meditate and reflect on that. I guess my real takeaway from the great election of 2014 is take the risk. Push yourself to take the risk. Don't make reckless decisions, obviously. Do your research, prepare, and then trust the try. There is power in the attempt. Don't forget the person who took the risk before, and the fact that that person still exists. Her brain and her heart are still yours, but now they are wiser. They've seen more and felt more. Hit me up if you need a tenacity playlist. It's a whole energy. I think the antidote to failure is confidence. The times I've felt the least failure is when I'm so comfortable and secure that one rejection doesn't even scratch the surface of my self-esteem. But you're not always going to be sturdy in Thrive Tribe. And in those situations, I think the second best thing to confidence is trust. Trust that you're good enough. Trust that eventually you'll overcome and look back on this moment as simply a part of your story. Special thanks to our contributors this week, Jack Minton, Stephen Morrow, and Austin Newrider. And thank you for listening to Darcy and I parse out and process some haunting failures. On Monday, we're starting a new summer series called Abbreviation Fiends. Five abbreviated 20-minute episodes with a story from the week and pop culture debrief. It'll be short, sweet, and released every Monday so you can start your week off doing it wrong. Doing It Wrong is made by Darcy Newrider and Rainy Toll. Our executive producers are Toll, Rainy and Newrider, Darcy. Our technical directors are Rain Woman, Not Rain Man Toll and Darcy Hagendas Nucleotide. Our sound engineers are Taney Roll and Narcy Dewrider. Love them. Special thanks to our writers, Darce, New at Writing Newwriter, and Rainey has written some essays before Toll. And our editors, D Newwriter at KentDenver.org and Rainey Toll at ScienceandTech.org, who have put in many hours into this production. We source our contemporary philosophy from Darcy De Sorrento Nucleotide and Rainito, descendant of the Toll family that owns Toll and Toll. Our intern is May Toll. And we receive begrudged, second-rate freelance creative consulting from Luke Newrider.
Our custodians are Rain Dog, Let's Get Through This Fog, and DNUNU22, This Is Not About You. Please reach out to our large team if you're interested in contributing or being a guest on our show. Every inquiry must begin with to whom it may concern or it won't be processed. Our outreach managers and also our contact emails are DarcyNewRider at gmail.com and RainyToll at hotmail.com. Our cover art is by Maddie Haynes. Check her out at MaddieHaynes.com. Peace and blessings. Please check our next episode and text your friend this episode link right now.